Well, I want to welcome you to The Crossing today, especially after the week that we've had where our emotions are so raw, it is just good for us to be together. And I also want to extend a welcome to the Southeast Campus, those who are watching online, our microsites. Could we just give them a welcome and just let them know they're glad they're part of The Crossing family with us. Today we're doing baptisms after each service out in the courtyard. Um, this is something that we had planned to do months ago on this day, and we just feel like it was providential that we were doing it today, because some of you are ready to respond to the grace of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, baptism is the next step for a follower, and I've been praying for you. I've been praying that for many of you that today would be your day that you would respond to God's grace, that what we're doing here, it's important. For us to gather together here is important because it's part of the healing process. As a church, we came together on Wednesday night for a prayer vigil here at the crossing, and we had nearly 3,500 people show up. This room was standing room only. We had another 800 in an overflow in the venue and in the theater. We had another 14,000 people who were watching online. Cars were parked everywhere. One local politician who came had to walk a mile because he had to park so far away to get here. And we ended with a candlelight vigil in our courtyard where we raised our candles and we faced the city to bring healing and hope to our city. Because we just believe that we are here to bring hope and extend hope to those who are around us. And I can just tell you personally, I feel such gratitude for our city. I have never been more proud to be from Las Vegas than now. I have such gratitude for the heroic people, normal people who risked their lives. One family at the crossing who was at the festival it was a mom and dad, they were there with their young adult daughter and her friend. Both the girls go here to the crossing, and when the shooting started, they literally laid on top of the girls to protect them. There's so many acts of heroism that we've heard. I feel gratitude for the first responders who ran into the face of danger to save so many people. For the doctors and nurses and hospital staff who've been working around the clock and have saved so many lives. To our church family and to our staff who've been working nonstop to respond to the needs. And I thought it would be appropriate for us to recognize a couple groups of people. I want to recognize our first responders and our medical community. And so if you are police, fire, paramedic, would you please stand? And if you are doctor, nurse, tech, administrative, hospital, would you please stand? Some heroes right here. Good job. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. We are honored to have you here and be part of our church community. There's a lot of emotions that we're dealing with. We're dealing with shock and denial, anger and outrage. Maybe you're dealing with guilt, confusion, fear. Well, I want you to hear this promise of God that we've already heard prayed over us today out of Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to you today. And inevitably, we begin asking the question, why? Why did this happen? Why did God allow it? Why was I spared and someone else wasn't? Why can't I deal rationally with my emotions? We're going to tackle many of these questions in the next few weeks and months ahead. But the truth is, we will never have an answer to the why that will truly satisfy you. You never will. And so the question becomes not why, but what? What do I do now? What does God want me to do? And so I want to talk to you today about two things. What we do internally and what we do externally. I want to do some soul care with you internally. I want to help you do some soul care because we need to do that. And then I want to call us to action because God always calls us to be a people of action. And here's the first, here's the soul care part of this, that we need to breathe and mourn and pray. We need to breathe and mourn and pray. We just need to breathe. At 445 on Monday morning, I received a text from the morning DJ at SOS Radio, Scott Harold, And Scott said, Shane, would you be willing to come to the radio station this morning just to help us process these events, to talk through this, to try to bring some hope to our city? And I have to be honest with you, my initial reaction was, I don't think so because I don't know what to say because I don't have anything to say. But as I began to gather my thoughts and I started to head down to the station, Lee called me on my way there and he said, Shane, you just need to breathe. You need to slow down and take a breath. We have so much anxiety and fear. We just need to breathe. Maybe the greatest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 23. And here's what King David writes. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and many of you, you were there this past week. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. You breathe. You breathe in God's presence in your life. The Apostle Peter said it like this. He says, cast all your anxiety on him. This word cast right here literally means to throw. That you take your anxiety and you throw it all on God. Why? Because he cares for you. God cares for you. So you take all this anxiety and you give it to God. That we just need to breathe. And then we need to mourn. The emotions that we feel are so strong and they are so raw. And the only way to start the healing process is to allow yourself to mourn. Here's what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It's exactly what some of you need today. You just need to be comforted. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. The shortest verse in the Bible is just two words. Many of you probably know this verse. It's just Jesus wept. Jesus wept. But maybe you don't know the context of that verse. The context of that verse is that Jesus had lost his good friend Lazarus. Lazarus had just died. 
And he was so overcome by his own emotions and the emotions of the people around him that he loved, that he just wept, that he understands, God understands our emotions. And that's why what we did here on Wednesday night was important. Because our grief is real. And we don't even know how to process our grief. But it's good for us to begin to recognize our emotions and our feelings because the emotions that are in you will eventually come out of you. Those emotions that you stuff down inside at some point, usually when we least expect it, they will come out of you. So we have to grieve. We mourn. See, the soul care is that we breathe and we mourn and we pray. I've lived in Las Vegas for 23 years. And in those 23 years, I've never seen the images of faith that I've seen the past few days. Because many times... We pray as a last resort, but when we're desperate, we begin to pray as a first resort. And as I drove down the strip this week, I saw casino after casino with just signs that said, pray for Vegas. I don't know if you have ever seen that before. You know, these pictures of just seeing this, pray for Vegas. It's the first time I've ever seen it. But see, we just become the people of prayer when we're in desperate situations, We are in the most prayed-for city in the world right now. And I've heard from hundreds of my friends around the country just say, Shane, we're praying for your city. We're praying for your church. When the tragedy happened, we opened our doors, and we just had our doors open here at the church just around the clock because so many people just needed someone to pray with them. They just needed someplace quiet to come in and to pray. I just believe that prayer changes things. I believe in the power of prayer. On Wednesday, we handed out prayer cards that had the names of the 58 victims that were killed. We had one victim on each card so that we as a community could pray for those families that are trying to, trying to mourn and to deal with the loss that they have. Well, let me tell you what happened in the midst of that. One of the officers who was on the scene He was actually charged with securing the site afterwards and just stood guard there over these victims who were were dead there in front of him. He came on Wednesday night, and the card that he was given was the name of the person that he was standing over guarding. Another person, part of the medical community here, was was operating in the, the trauma center at the hospital. And the person that he was operating on did not make it tragically. And when he walked in, the name that he was given was the name of the person that he operated on. Regina, who is is my executive assistant and my friend, she, she reached down to pick up a card for herself. And she picked up the card of our fallen officer, Charleston Hartfield. Why that is so um, providential is her brother was killed in the line of duty three years ago, so she has a heart for that. I think this is just God showing up at our place of need to say, I'm here, I'm with you, I know what you're going through, I want you to see my hand in this, that God shows his power through our prayers, through our prayers. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
Present your requests to God. You pray, you present them to God, and then here is the result of that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that God brings a peace that no one can understand. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That his peace will guard your emotions and your thoughts. That's what what his peace does. The, The power of prayer is strong. And when you leave today, we have, we have these wristbands for you just to remind you this week to pray for our city and to pray that God would bring healing and hope through us and to us. See, we need to do some soul care, but we're also called to action, to be people of action. Then in the midst of tragedy, there is always an open door. See, we don't get to be in charge of what doors are open We only get to be in charge of how we respond. And every moment has a door. This moment right now has a door. And open doors are presented to us all the time. But we have to choose to step through them. That this tragedy has opened up some doors for us. And so it's us choosing to take that next step through the door that's been opened for us. Here's this first open door is that we just take a step towards each other. We take a step towards each other. There is something about community that's powerful. There's something about being together. On Monday nights, my family all came over for dinner. We didn't need to say anything. We just wanted to be together because community, togetherness, it is powerful. On most Sundays, you can't wait to get out of here. I mean, you hit the exits, you know, as fast as you can. Some of you leave during my prayer, and you're in your cars before I say amen. I mean, you cannot wait to get out of this place. But on Wednesday night, after our candlelight vigil, people didn't want to go home. We had hundreds of people who just stayed around for hours because there's something powerful about being together. One of our metro officers here at the crossing was on the scene of the shooting. He pulled up and bullets were being fired all around his car and hitting cars around him. And then as he was trying to to help people get out, then he went to go secure Mandalay Bay and then came back to, to secure the site. And he's a single guy. He doesn't have any family in town. And so he just came and hung out at the crossing all week long. He would get off of his 12-hour shift, and he would just come here, and he told me, he said, I just don't want to go home by myself. There's power in being together with each other. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love one another. Jesus says, as I have loved you, you love one another. That's the law of Christ. So he says, the way that you love one another is by carrying each other's burdens. The way that you show that that you love like I have loved you, it's by carrying each other's burdens. That's what God calls us to do. We carry each other's burdens. So let me ask you, who do you need to take a step towards today? Maybe you need to reconcile a relationship that's been broken. Maybe it's an opportunity to finally forgive someone who has hurt you deeply. To take a step towards healing. 
Maybe you need to leave here today and to write a letter or to make a phone call or send an email or a text to start the process of reconciliation, that we take a step towards each other. And there's a second open door that's been open for us. It's to take a step towards our community. Take a step towards our community. I have never seen such an outpouring of love that I've seen this week. It has galvanized our community together. There's only one word that can describe what happened on Sunday. It's evil. It was evil. There is no justification. There is no explanation. It was pure evil. So how do you respond to evil? Well, this is what it says in Romans chapter 12. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What's our response to evil? We overcome evil with good. That's what God has called us to do. And that's what we've seen happen in our community this week. Strangers helping strangers. People waiting in for hours to give blood away. The outpouring of generosity. People saying, I just need to do something. We overcome evil with good. I'm overwhelmed by the way that our church community has responded. On Thursday, we had hundreds of volunteers who showed up here. And they began to take deliveries to the 58 firehouses in our city. That Starbucks donated 58 carafes of coffee and Chick-fil-A donated 500 breakfast sandwiches. And we had a crew just go out and just feed our firehouses on Thursday. We had another team provide lunch to the entire staff of Valley Hospital. They had been treating an 18-year-old who was injured that's here from the crossing. And we just wanted to say thank you. To them. And so we had donations from Zabas and Canes and Don DeMarcos and Roadkill Grill and Ricardo's. And we fed 650 tired hospital workers. You as a church. You as a church have donated over $5,000 worth of gift cards. And those have been passed out to the families that are at the hospital watching over their loved ones. If you've ever been at the hospital, you know how tiring it is and how you just get tired of hospital food. You just need something. You don't have the money. Well, we want to provide that. And so we delivered food cards to UMC and Valley and Sunrise. In addition, a church in California and a police department in Ohio have sent us another $4,000 in gift cards. We have... We have people in churches from all over the country sending us money to provide for the immediate needs that have arisen. And it's not just us. Every church in this valley has risen up to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And our entire Las Vegas community is finding a way to serve. But I think we have to step back and ask the question, why does it have to take a tragedy for us to respond like this? Why do we have to wait for a crisis to honor our first responders? What if it became a common action and not just a crisis reaction? What if we had small groups who adopted fire stations and small groups who adopted police command stations and people who were helping to take care of needs at the hospital and to be there for people? In November, we have our Heal Las Vegas weekend, and we're going to serve our community over 48 hours that will make a lasting impact. We'll do it in the name of Jesus to bring hope and healing to our valley because it's what God has called us to do. It's the door that God's opened for us. 
Well, there's another door that God has opened for us. And and this other door is for us to take a step towards God. To take a step towards God. That every, every time there's a tragedy, it presents an open door. And instead of asking, why God? What if we just said, here I am, God. Here I am. And maybe you don't feel like you can. Maybe you say, I need answers. I need to know why. There is not an answer to that question that will ever satisfy you. But Jesus says, I am the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We may not think that that we're good enough, but God's grace is more than enough for you. Maybe you are paralyzed by fear, but God says, fear not, for I am with you. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest verses in the Bible, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us. He goes on and he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give you all things? You want to know how much God is for us? us? You want to know how much God is for you? Is that he gave his one and only son for you. But the door that we walk through is a person. It is Jesus. Jesus says this in John chapter 10. He says, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. I am the door, Jesus says. See, the ultimate door is a person. It's Jesus himself. And as John Ortberg says, no other human being has ever said that about themselves. None. Not Buddha, not Confucius, not Muhammad, not Caesar, or Napoleon, not Big Bird. No one has ever said this before. Jesus said, I am the door. And you look at the life of Jesus, and you begin to see how Jesus deals with people who are in desperate situations. It's the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and was not only suffering physically, but spiritually and financially. It was the two sisters who were angry at Jesus Because their brother died unexpectedly, and they felt like Jesus should have done something to save him. The prostitute who anoints Jesus' feet with perfume, the notorious thief who invites Jesus over for dinner, the woman caught in the act of adultery, the desperate father whose daughter gets sick and dies, the skeptic who comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want anyone to see him there. And Jesus meets every one of them at their place of need. Every one of them. And what Jesus did for them, he will do for you. Because Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. So how do you step through this door? How do you step through this door? Well, it starts with surrendering your life to Jesus. It is transferring your trust from yourself to Jesus. It is putting your faith in Jesus. It's finally giving up, saying, I can't do this on my own anymore. 
and you let Jesus be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You place your trust in Jesus, and then you're baptized. If you're a follower of Jesus, baptism is the next step for you. And maybe you say, well, why should I be baptized? Well, let me give you the only reason that I think really makes a difference. It's because your Lord and Savior asked you to be baptized. Jesus, his last words to us, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. See, we're baptized because Jesus asked us to. And baptism, it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It represents us being here in our sin. And we're buried with Christ. And then we rise to live this brand new life. Baptism is like the wedding ceremony. Because you can date someone for years and years. You could say that you love them, but when you choose to get married to them, you're saying, I'm in. Till death do us part. I'm committing my life to you. That's what baptism is. Baptism saying, I'm in. I'm identifying with Christ. I'm in this. The Apostle Peter, on the day that the church began, here's how he said it. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Every one of you. Repent and be baptized. This is for all of us. And we're going to be doing baptisms after this service. Maybe you think, I wish I would have known because I would have come prepared. Well, we prepared for you. We have everything you need. We have shorts. We have shirts. We have towels. We have plastic bags for your leather seats. We have everything you need. Today is the day. Today's your day. If you have a child who wants to be baptized, we want to help you make sure that they're ready. So we have a special class for them. So for anyone who's 11 years old and under, then our staff will meet with you and just try to help you determine when they're ready. That God wants to do a work in us. So here's this question. What length would a father go through to save his child? What length would a father go through to save his child? On Sunday, my friend Rick was at the concert with his family. Rick is a metro officer, but he was not on duty. He was with his family, but his daughter was up front with her, with her friends. And when the shooting began... He started helping the victims by loading them into his truck that was nearby. And he had eight victims in the back of his truck. He had eight people and they began to go to the UMC Trauma Center. Well, Riley was there up front and she started calling her stepdad who is a, is a fireman, but he was pinned down and couldn't get there. Well, in the midst of her dad going to UMC, she was shot in the back. And so Rick dropped off everybody at the hospital and then he turned around and he started heading back. And he drove through every barricade until he found his daughter. She was at the first aid station. She was laying on a board and the firefighter who helped stabilize her got in the back of the truck and then they headed back to the hospital. And Riley survived, seriously injured. She had surgery yesterday to remove the bullet from the back, which was a very successful surgery. But I was talking to Rick, and I asked him, I go, do you mind if I say that you drove through every barricade? Are you okay with that? 
and he stopped for a second and he goes, he goes, I don't mind at all because I did what I had to do and I'd do it again. And every dad in this room would do the same thing because fathers don't mess around. And your heavenly father does not mess around. You're a child of God. Every person in here, you are a child of God. And you want to know the link that your heavenly father went through to rescue you? He sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you. See, Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years. And he knows grief. And he knows loss. And he knows hardship. And he knows struggle. And he had no sin but he chose, the one who had no sin, chose to lay down his life for you so you could have forgiveness of your sins. That's the extent that the Father would go through to save you. But the next step, that's up to you. It's yours. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's standing at the door of your life and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. He says, I have come to rescue you, but you have to open the door. God will not force you to open the door and God will not force the door open. You have to choose to open up the door of your heart to Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to open up the door of your life and to start a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to pray with you in a minute. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to make a bold move. I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't ask you to do very often. But I think it's just one of those days. I want this to be cemented in your mind forever that on this Sunday, you chose to follow Jesus. So here's what I'm going to ask, is I'm going to ask in a minute, I'm going to ask everybody who's choosing to start a relationship with Jesus or anybody who's choosing to be baptized today, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to make that public declaration. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm just going to pray for you. The rest of us, we're going to cheer for you. We're going to cheer and let you know that we're with you. So I'm just going to count to three. And maybe you're ready. Maybe you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus. One, this is your moment. Two, you are choosing to open up the door of your life to Jesus. Three, is there anyone who's ready to make a decision today? Anybody who would stand? Love it. Praise God. Praise God. Love it. Are there others? Thank you. It's not too late. Love this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I just want everybody just to stay standing here for just a minute. And I just want you just to repeat these words after me. You can just do it silently. This is just between you and God. And maybe for those of you who wanted to stand but just didn't have the courage right now but you're standing in your heart do you just say this to say God I'm asking you to forgive my sins be the leader and the forgiver 
of my life. And I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. God, we thank you for everybody who's here, who's starting a relationship with Jesus today. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can have a seat.